everyone, Nathan Poole here, one of your hosts today for Unbridled Faith, and I'm joined by my wife, Jenna Poole, who's going to help host today. And uh, so we're going to have a little bit of conversation about what Unbridled Faith as a as a podcast, how it got its name, and and uh, specifically talk about worship a little bit. So I figured what what better place than to talk about one of the places that Jesus talks about worship in John chapter 4. Um, and so in John chapter 4, uh, we see the story of the woman at the well, and there's a little bit of uh, back and forth with the woman at the well, and then he says in verse 21, Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. Lord, over the next few minutes, I pray that you would speak to our hearts and uh, encourage us to be worshipers, to be drawn to you, to want to see you and savor you and delight in you more and more every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Jenna, do you remember where we got uh, the name Unbridled Faith from? I think you came up with it. I don't remember the exact circumstance, but I know as a whole, we, um, it is, it's part of, um, definitely part of our personalities to <laughs> theme, huh? Yeah. Struggle to be kind of reined in. And, um, in some ways, um, as a believer of Christ, you know, just trying to really, think through that and what it actually means to be unbridled, to have unbridled faith, you know, in the, in the world we live in, you know, we try to be more bridled, but does the Lord really want us to be more bridled? Um, in some ways, perhaps, but in other ways, maybe, you know, maybe he enjoys that aspect of, of freedom in worship and freedom in expression. I do, I do think here that that's what, to an extent, that's part of what this passage is talking about, right? This idea of worshiping him and, and spirit and in truth, um, you know, this idea of it being unbridled. I think that when, I think you actually came up with the name Unbridled Faith for the podcast, but we were sitting at our church. Uh, it's a bigger church here in Orlando, and it was a Wednesday night service, so the girls are in youth, and they're doing their thing, our, our daughters, and, and uh and I was remarking at how much I really liked going to church in this big atrium, right? Because there's like a bathroom and there's a, you know, there's the cafe and there's the coffee shop and there's all this stuff. And so you can worship God like almost like it's in the comfort of your home, right? And so there's still people around. There's like an atrium pastor, you know, so he kind of wanders around and prays with people. But um, it was just really neat to, uh, and I told her, I was like, Jenna, I was like, I really, really like this, this type of worship she likes being you like being in that sanctuary a little bit more we are a little different in that <laughs> a little different i i prefer to be in the middle of it all i want yeah. the whole experience um and not miss a beat and um so unbridled church for me is a little i i need i need to be reined in a little bit more in that respect where i you know i need to be engaged with everything to really yeah. feel the presence in um in that environment i want i don't want to miss any aspect of the presence of god and you know being in the sanctuary for me is just and surrounded by the worship i just that's really 
where I feel most at home. Yeah. So I think that's the idea is, is uh, pursuing him in the way that, um, pursue, you know, presuming you're following the boundaries that are laid out in scripture, which in terms of worship are actually pretty broad. Um, but, uh, but that we would worship him in a way that, that we enjoy. So at, at church, you like being in the sanctuary. I don't m- like it as much as being in what I call unbridled church, right? So Wednesday nights, we get to go to unbridled church, same exact church, same exact church service. But, um, you know, I got a chicken nugget in one hand and a, and a coffee in the other. And, and nobody's like going to stare at me if I get up to go to the bathroom in the middle. Nobody's going to force shake my hand when you greet your neighbor. So I like that. I do like the unbridled aspect of, uh, you know, the unbridled church piece on the Wednesday nights for us. And so that was our, like, it's open Sundays, right? But I, you know, we, we've kind of got our deal going where Sunday mornings we'll go to the the regular church service and not sit in the atrium. And then Wednesdays we kind of do church uh, in the way that I prefer. Uh, so it's kind of a, a cool balance. But uh, talk for a second about there was a, there's a way that... <laughs> We, we, we do worship very differently. Like we typically will, will raise our hands and worship personally, right? It's a stylistic thing. It's, it's a personal thing. I, there are, is commandment in the scripture to raise your hands in worship, uh, to the Lord. But, um, but I don't think it's like a, something that you're required to do on a Sunday because you, here's the rules, right? Um, but, uh, I, there's, there's one ministry that you had joked kind of joked about starting during the worship service at our church. So what, what was this ministry you were talking about starting recently? I'm putting her all on the spot, by the way. There is no, there is no record here. There's no track. There's yeah, no like notes. This is totally on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, I've thought about, I just think it might be really cool. We have, um, you know, we have a pretty sizable church where we go to church. Um, and I've started to kind of dabble a little bit with worship flags and I you know um I go to um I'm part of this group it's called the core group there's a lot of women in this group and they have retreats and things like that and it's like an online Facebook group it's, yeah it's ministry like an thing, online yeah. ministry but um I was really blown away um the first time I actually attended it online so not physically there but um, I remember the first retreat where I went to and like just being surrounded by a lot of different women and um, that were just very free with their expression of worship. And it was very free, so different <laughs> from anything I'd ever seen or experienced. And it just really I was revived by it personally. And um, these and, ladies are, mind you, they're, they're jumping and running around carrying on. They're doing like Jericho marches and stuff. And there's they, just they flags get, they everywhere. Get very excited they get very excited about their worship experience. I think it's really neat. I think it's just amazing. And you know, um, I would imagine that, you know, the Lord, when he looks down, he thinks it's pretty cool to see people being really free and expressing themselves and how they worship with, to him and with him. Um, and so we joke about it because I'm like, you know, they don't have any worship flags at our church because, you know, we, the church where we go, like there's, we all want to like help and be a part, but the reality is that they're so big and, you know, there's an aspect of it where I really sit back and I think, well, is there really a need for anything that I have to offer? You know, if there's a mm. ministry, if there's something, there's already something happening. Yeah. Um, and that was the one area where I was like, well, you know, I don't see any worship flags. <laughs> I don't I wonder, see any worship flags. None. I wonder if that's something that, you know, could be. And so thing, she says, but- you, so you come home and you tell me, you're like, look, 
Um, I'm going to start a flag worship flag ministry and I'm just going to show up on Sunday with flags. I'm like, listen, let's at least run it by the pastors, right? <laughs> like these big, huge, colorful flags. I get it. There's, there are verses, right? Raise a banner for the Lord. It was specifically talking about in a prescriptive environment about like when you're going into literal war and there's a literal flag representing your country to battle <laughs> the enemies of the Israelites, I am also fine with the metaphor of it, right? I'm okay with that, right? Worship in spirit and in truth and unbridled faith. But I'll tell you what I really do love, uh, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, I'd say pick on you, but in a good way, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, give you some kudos on that. I, I was, uh, you worship in private the same way you do in public, which I love. Like so, uh, we're we're doing our devotions. Uh, I think it was yesterday morning, and. Uh, we're, we're getting after it, right? We're reading a book on the spirit and there's, there's music on in the background, which we'll talk about in a second. And, uh, but there's music on in the background and, you know, worship music and, and she gets out, like she just walks in the living room, gets out a, like a quilt and places it on the ground. And I knew exactly what she was doing. Like, oh, she's about to get after it. So she gets out her worship flags and she's going to town, you know, and it's just beautiful. She's weeping before you're, you're weeping before the Lord and, and, and pursuing him in, in, that and while I'm not particularly like I wouldn't typically consider myself a flagget, right? Like I don't really do like the flag ministry thing for me. It's That's not, for not everyone. It's not for everyone, <laughs> not for everyone. But I do love and respect that that works for you, and 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 it's a, a physical reminder for you in the same way that like uh, you know a painting or or music or something would be for another person. And so I I do think that that's pretty neat. Um, so let's talk about the music going on now. So, and again, in different ways, we have different levels of bridledness, if you will. So what type of music, describe the music that you were worshiping to yesterday morning that just really geeks you out for Jesus and you just want to pursue him hard. Well, honestly, it's changed. <laughs> it's evolved. <laughs> I've, you know, I've been kind of exploring different, um, means of worship, if you will, um, to see what really speaks to my heart the most. Um, you know, that's one thing. The, the thing that I feel this past year I've been convicted of is just trying to really get a sense of who I am in Christ and mm -hmm. find that place where I can be true to myself and how God created me to be and what that looks like. Um, really just trying to throw out everything that I've been taught mm. about what worship is supposed to look like and find the place with the Lord where he moves my heart and my spirit. Um, what stirs your affections for him. And yeah, so, and yeah. so, you know, I've been kind of going back and forth. I, you know, I love worship music of all kinds. And lately I've been really... Um, stirred for more of an instrumental type of worship. Um, so it's like music a, where there's not actual yeah. lyrics, you know, um, where I can kind of just clear my mind and be like truly alone with the Lord and try to hear, focus more on the hearing aspect mm. of, of oh, I love um, that. our relationship because I don't know if anybody else is like this, but when they're alone with God, I have a tendency to want to just talk and not stop talking. <laughs> yeah. And I never actually take a minute and stop and say, well, what is the Lord actually saying? 
to me yeah. in this particular moment. And um, I've noticed that without the lyrics to the song, I'm able to engage a little bit closer in the my relationship with the Lord in that way where it's That's more cool. intentional about the communication um, aspect. Yeah. Well, and it's, uh, I just think it's super neat that to, to watch your growth and the way that you worship, uh, you know, and how that evolves. And it caused us to think recently, like I, I, again, you know, I like the lyrics, you know, if my, my mind's too wild. So if I'm, if I'm not guided in worship via a chorus or a verse, my mind will tend to, to wander. So if you put me on the ground with an instrumental and flags in my hands, I don't know, I'm going to try and get in a flag fight or like, I'm, it's not going to be a worshipful experience for me. Um, and it was just super cool to watch you interact with the Lord. Just even just yesterday, I'm using yesterday as an example. Uh, you, you mentioned to me last night uh, something to the effect of you'd like to uh, maybe experiment with the idea of worshiping in a way that's different than anybody else at the church. You even said, you went so far as to say, you know, if everybody's in their chair in the pew, I wonder what it would be like to go sit in the corner, face the corner, and just listen. What, what's the driver behind that? Um. I think it goes back to learning to be comfortable mm. in who you are in Christ um, and learning how to be okay that you don't have to always be um, doing what everybody else around you is doing and it's okay to... Um, be a little different and, and whatever the Lord is leading you in doing or saying, I mean, they have, you know, they have lyrics to a song, but that doesn't necessarily mean that your heart might be speaking a different lyric mm. in the middle of that song that the Lord wants you to say while you're worshiping in a corporate setting. And that's okay. You don't have to, you know, when you look at the screen and you see the lyrics, it's for your, um, leading if you will it's it's not the only lyrics that can be shared in that environment um I love and it's, that. it's really just a means of cultivating that and cultivating um, the worship and spirit cultivating and truth. The, the, yeah. the worship that you have in your own heart and spirit and in truth and i love that um in corporate worship it, it teaches us how to do that but the lord wants to take it further than that he wants you to take that and go with it in the way that he um, reveals to your heart how, how he desires for you to worship. Yeah. And um, there's actually a spot in the back corner. Of our I've been scoping out. Been <laughs> oh, scoping no, this is the out. first time hearing there's of this. Okay. corner, you know, because it's like it's not in front of a doorway. Okay. And it's kind of behind all the seats, so it's kind of out of the way. Nobody would even really notice okay. it. I have been, you know, thinking about claiming it as my own little spot <laughs> back little spot. there you know we have a guy at our, at our church that walks up and down like there's the front section the back section he walks between the sections and uh loudly proclaims worship which i think yeah. is super cool he hasn't been doing it for a little while so i wonder if i wonder if somebody tamed him down or if mm -hmm. he decided to uh i hope the latter right like i hope mm -hmm. that we worship that way but that being said I, I also get how if everybody wants to worship one way and one person's hollering 
it could probably be distracting to a few hundred others. Mm. So I do understand that. Like I res- if that is the decision, I, you know, I respect that. I, don't, I have no idea. This is complete conjecture, right? Uh, my point is I, I love to see that though. So I see somebody that's worshiping in a different way mm. and I'm encouraged. Hey, this guy is like pouring his heart out to God mm. and in the moments in the worship service where I'm distracted yeah. and I, we're singing these big, beautiful lyrics of this incredible, powerful, majestic God. And I'm like, I wonder where we're going to lunch. You know, so like how, how dull must my senses be at some times to be so easily distracted? Uh, but, yeah. but regardless, I, I love the idea of, you know, finding a way that worship that is different than, than worshiping in the ways that others might. I'll tell you some of the times that I've had uh, some of the most worshipful experiences in my life haven't been in church. Um, and some of them have been doing some pretty unconventional things. Like I feel the Holy Spirit very deeply uh, when I'm hunting, right? <laughs> like, and and before an animal dies, I just, the Holy Spirit, I feel him. I'm there. I'm prayerful and and worshipful. And then an animal dies and it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, there are lots of people that would not find that a beautiful, serene, peaceful moment. It just happens to be for, I don't know. Maybe I've got too much childhood drama. I don't know. I, I don't think I have a lot of it, but maybe I do. Maybe I have more than I think. But, uh, but so yeah, finding that way to worship that works for you, I, I think is probably a, a pretty big deal. And I think there's a lot of latitude in the Bible. Like, you know, when, when he's, when Jesus here says worship, the hour is coming and is now when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Um, I think that there's a lot of latitude in that, right? Like there's churches where they'll have art ministries and, mm. you know, painting ministries and drawing ministries. And obviously many churches have worship ministries with with music, music, and we even call that, we make them synonymous. Like that's the worship ministry because they're playing the guitar or they're mm. singing or whatever. Um, but I think that any type of artistic expression uh, where your focus is, or even really... I think that most of our hobbies should be acts of worship. I think that we should turn, um, okay, I'm going to give you an analogy. Drives my wife nuts sometimes, but uh, my personal philosophy on hobbies is if you can find a hobby that you can get the things that you want to supply your hobby. If you're an artist, right? If you like art and you want to be able to be a, a painter and you have a, a paintbrush collection, but you want to be able to have more canvases and more art to be able to, to do the, the, the hustle, right? The side hustle where you can use that to cover the bills of the hobby. So, you know, oh, well, I like art. So I'm going to buy these four pieces of art and I'm going to sell them for my profit. I'm going to take the profit off of my art. And now my hobby is self-funded. Then you can have whatever you like. And so, you know, if you like, a, uh, I've, I've done it with watches, right? If I, there's a watch I want, I just shop that watch. And then when I get the watch at the right price, I'll wear it for a year or two and I'll uh, use, I'll buy it used and then sell it for profit on the same eBay, right? On, on eBay. And as long as I made a profit on it, well, great. I, I can have a nice watch and it's, it's actually a, it's a slow gaining profit, right? It's not high ROI. So I wouldn't recommend that as an investment strategy. Right. But, but, uh, but that type of thing where you can, if you can have a hobby that can self fund, then you can do more of that hobby. And in the same way in worship, I love to think that we should find the things that we love to do and make the things that we love to do acts of worship. And perhaps if you can't do that thing as an aside, if you can't do that thing as an act of worship, it's pro- you probably should get a different hobby, right? Like that means that 
it's possible that that particular hobby, if you're like, I really can't worship the Lord while I go bar hopping, I, I get that. You might want to consider the godliness level behind finding another hobby, right? And so in the same way, um, I think that that good, healthy hobbies, um, and I'm sure there's tons of them, right? Everything from horseback riding to playing cricket. I think that's still a sport, right? But, you know, play, you know, whatever that is. And if you can find a way to worship the Lord deeply in and through that thing, I think that that's a beautiful place to be in terms of, of uh, finding worshipful experiences. And I think that all of the things, I think that everything that Jesus did when he was on this planet was an act of worship. And he certainly was filled with the Spirit 24-7, and that includes in the normal things, right? The things that are the mundane daily tasks or the, or the you know, not so clean tasks even. Um, I, I think finding worship in the every moment of every day is pretty important. Um, okay, what's my favorite book? I just bought three more. What's my favorite book? Uh. <laughs> I think you might have bought them for me on Amazon. We read it this morning. Oh, oh, the Thomas Akemis Thomas Akemis, Imitation of Christ. I love it. They've got this one on Amazon, um, and it's it's like 12 bucks, right? It's a, it's a soft cover, and I love buying them, and I'll mark them up, and then when I meet people, I, I just give that book out a lot because it's just so powerful, but um, there's oh, a... there's it, a, It'll wreck your soul. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's really good. It's very powerful. It's very powerful. Um, I probably should figure out how to put a link like in the description like everybody else says that they do but I don't know if they'll ever do that so if you look down feel free to look down and if there's a link then that might be it but um <laughs> right I was supposed to do that but uh <laughs> but uh so the the back of the book has like a 15 page book it's a two two for one right and the back of Thomas Akempis his book is Imitation of Christ and the back of it on the Amazon special is two for one. And that's brother Lawrence. Mm. And that book is practice the presence of God. And that book will also wreck your soul. The dude, he worked in a kitchen and practiced day in and day out practicing the presence of God in like, as I scrub the dirty lasagna off of the plate, I am engrossed in worship for the almighty and so I do think that Jesus was like that all the time. And I think that one of the things we should strive to do this side of eternity is also do that. So what, what are, when's the, when's your favorite time to do that? And when's your least favorite time? Is, is there times that are super easy for you and super hard for you to do that? Um, you know, lately it's changed. Like it's really evolved. I used to be a night person middle of the night person mm. now it's starting to become like er, kind of early morning usually like after the kids are out of the door that, mm -hmm. that lately that's been like my place where it's like the house is quiet usually you're even gone sometimes and I'm truly alone it's just me and I can you know just kind of be free to practice express you know creativity yeah. and expression and, and to wave those worship flags around and, and all completely yeah, by exactly. yourself <laughs> and not have to even give second thought to what it looks like on the you yeah. know on the other side of that um but so lately it's been it's been really that you know we have four kids at home so it's the house is very very loud at all other times of the day oh yeah um so nauseatingly it's, it's hard loud to kind yeah. of get my mind in that space where um I can really 100% focus or at least try to focus all of my energies and mm. efforts on um, 
on the Lord and, you know, mornings for me, if I, if I don't, if I don't have that time with the Lord in the morning, the rest of the day is just, it just falls off the rails. <laughs> I found, so mornings have been just really yeah. a huge thing for me and, you know, starting the day right and um, being able to actually find the place of peace throughout the day when I need it. Um, and, um, so yeah, so definitely mornings. I, I really like the mornings when it's quiet. So we do like our morning regimen, if you will. It's supposed to be like, you know, you wake up and stretch and go to the gym and whatever, but it's, it's not, <laughs> we, I, I don't think I go to the gym anymore, unfortunately, but, um, but we'll wake up, you know, the kids go to, to school and then after they're off, uh, it's, we've got like a stack of books. And so we'll do our Bible reading and we'll do our stack of books. And it's like a few pages in each book because they're like mm -hmm. devotion style books. Some, some of them aren't particularly devotions, but they're devotion style um, where each like Thomas Akempis book, right? Where it's mm -hmm. a chapter is two pages and it takes you all of four minutes, six minutes to read. And it's just super deep. So if you just keep reading, you're going to forget some of the depths of these things. So it's cool to kind of have that one thing in the back of your mind mm. um, as you do it. One of the things that's helped me a lot um, in terms of being reminded regularly throughout the day to worship is I, I, I carry around this specific blue Bible that I've got with me. Um, I mean, I have a Bible collection. I love study Bibles especially, but... Um, this blue Bible I carry around with me, I carry it to the gym and I, and even if you just read a verse and then just think about that verse over and over as you're doing whatever the thing is. So I'm bringing it to restaurants and gas stations and it, I should probably disinfect it from time to time. Right. But I don't know if the Might Holy, not be a bad idea. Ho Holy Spirit <laughs> disinfection, maybe, <laughs> but, uh, but <laughs> yeah, so I, I, in fact, actually now I'm kind of grossed out. I probably, I'm going to definitely go lice all this thing when I get home. But I, so I, I drag it everywhere and, uh, and that even the physical reminder of it, like I get it. I have a, a, you know, Bible apps on my phone, but carrying this physical piece around is a, is a really great physical, visual, spatial reminder. Um, and so it removes the abstractness of the Bible. Um, and then you also feel convicted, right? If you, if you go to the bathroom and you want to bust out your phone and you're like, well, I've got my Bible with me. So I guess I shouldn't be distracted for those 30 seconds on my phone. I should spend those 30 seconds reading a verse and, and meditating on that for the next few minutes or half hour or whatever, um, you know, as we carry on the rest of, you know, the day or afternoon. So um, those are some things that have helped me. Is there anything that has helped you specifically or any, it could be a book or songs or reminders throughout the day that you think that have reminded you, hey, listen, this is the time to worship and we should probably... Uh, I want to focus on that throughout the day. Well, in the morning, I love the devotional books. Um, you know, we have a handful of a couple different ones, and um, I, I actually prefer to kind of switch it up, so not always read from the same one. Have another one where, you, you know, you're getting, you know, different people, different perspective, different thought thoughts about um, scriptures and things of that nature, and... Um, so I love that, especially like the, just the quick ones. It gives you something to think about um, where you can then kind of build off of that um, in your own reading even, you know. Um, it'll spur a thought about a particular thing, and then that'll lead you into, I wonder what the word says about this, and then trying to kind of seek that out mm. um, has been um, really 
really awesome, I found. Um, I think in terms of what reminds me about, hey, it's time to worship the Lord is when I start to get off track during my day. Like when I when when that lack of patience starts to build up, because it happens inevitably, you know, um, you know, in my case, it's usually, you know, you're going about your day, work happens, we get a text from somebody or something and, you know, something we have to work through. And then it's like, I can feel that part of my, mm-hmm. my fleshly man start to start to, you know, raise his head again. And I'm like, oh, that's, I need <laughs> to put that guy down. <laughs> I need to take five because, you know, I'm starting to lose my peace. <laughs> and when you really think about it that closely, when you try to think on it that closely in terms of, am I exhibiting peace in this moment with this thought? And you attempt to capture, like what the Bible says, to capture your thoughts, place them in subjection to the Lord, then when you actually, if you take a day and try to actually do that, you'll realize how often you have to stop and go back to God Mm. and say, Lord, help me. I, my kids did X, Y, and Z. I need help with this thing. My husband's driving me nuts today. Whatever the situation not, is. Not me. I'm always, happens, of course, perfect. You know, <laughs> a few times an hour where I'll find that, oh, I need to pray again. I just need to take 30 seconds oh, real yeah. quick and remind myself to be constantly in the presence of the Lord, um, building up that fruit of the Spirit. Thomas Akempis said, um, same book, right? Uh, I'm obviously influenced by it, but he, he said, we, we just read this a couple days ago and he said something to the effect of if you find yourself having any emotion that is more strongly overwhelming than the emotions of your desire for the Lord, mm. then you need to put that emotion to death. And most of mine are typically negative. Like usually throughout the day, I'm not inundated with this beautiful sunset. And I'm like, this is so beautiful. And I'm just, I'm just in awe of good things. Oftentimes, you know, we're in the business world. And so, you know, a stressful situational hit or an email or a call or whatever. And you're like, Oh, I didn't expect that curveball. And so allowing those to emotionally impact us more deeply than what should be the perpetual emotional impact of walking with Christ, uh, is the point when, Thomas Akempis is like, well, then that just means that that thing is too important. Mm. So to your point, like I, I, that, I, I thought of that because when you say, like, I find my peace being taken. Mm-hmm. So your peace is taken because something else is happening that you do or don't like. And the emotion of I do or don't like that is stronger than the emotion of I love Jesus. And so finding a way to reroute yourself onto that, which is actually important instead of that, which is temporally important. Yeah. I mean, for so many years years, my whole life, you know, I'd allow those hits to lead me down the path of discouragement. Oh, I messed up. Now the day is over. And I'd get in, I'd take it down this spiral, which is the opposite of where God wants us to take it. Hey, it's okay. Mm. You just 30 seconds, you just messed up, bring it back to me and come back. But when we don't take the moment to capture the thought, place it in subjection to the Lord, it goes all the way down the path. And sometimes it goes for days, months, and years. And we allow those things that are small, they start out very small, 
But if we never deal with them, if we never address them, if we never take them back to the Lord, ask him to work on us through that thing, then, you know, the devil will, he'll take it all the way, you know? Um, Yeah, Matt Matt Chandler uh, calls it not fixing the, uh, you you know, if you have like an electrical problem, an electrical short in a switch, you're flipping the switch on and off and, bzz, 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 and you're in a buzz behind the wall. Like you, mm. you probably should address that because if you don't address it, it's going to burn the house down. Oh yeah. And ultimately if you don't address the taking of the center, and I used to think it was just in terms of sin, right? Like if you don't address that sin, that sin will grow and take over your life, which is true. But it's also true that if you don't address the fact that your mind is taken off of God for that moment, mm. then ultimately the worst evil will happen, which is, you stop thinking about God at all and your affections stop being for st- stirred for God at all. And so, you know, it, it, even exclusive of any active sins or passive sins of omission or commission, uh, just taking your mind off of God ultimately snowballs into a, a life where you don't think about him anymore. So I would say that our pursuit as Christians shouldn't be just wanting to worship God on Sunday mornings or go to church bridled or not. Or, or how we lift our hands in the service or don't, or, uh, you know, what type of style of music is playing or not, mm. but ultimately, uh, not letting our heart or our minds be removed from God for longer than a few moments at a time, mm. uh, because our minds are idol factories for sure. I D O L idol. Some of them are also I D L E factories, right? They, mm. Anyway, that's kind of an oxymoron i guess but but an idol factory where we want these things to be more important than god so desperately good things even you know our, our kids and spouse and jobs and houses and this you know good things but we want them to be more pressing on our mind than god and we should um i heard somebody once preach about uh the fact that you should get most excited about God and his word and his kingdom. So if you're a very dry person and perhaps not too overly enthusiastic and the most excited you get during a football game or a soccer game or a whatever game or your kids sports or whatever is a good job, then that could be expected to be the maximum expression of exuberance in church. And however, the disconnect comes if you're stripping your clothes off, painting your body red and screaming at a, at a football game and then on church are like, hmm, right? Like that's the disconnect. So like people worship in different ways and there's different ways that are superly, superly, I think that's the word. <laughs> now it is superly beautiful, right? These superly beautiful ways of worshiping. And sometimes it's sitting in quiet and, and in stoic reflection. And sometimes it's, waving around flags or sitting in the corner or being a little bit different. And, and I think that your style of worship should imitate and be higher than the next greatest form of worship in your life, which let's not get it twisted. Ripping your clothes off and painting your body for a sports team is an act of worship, right? Screaming and being emotionally compromised at any sporting event for sure is an act of worship. Not necessarily bad. You're just ascribing worth to that thing, right? But the ultimate acts of worship should, which is should be pursuing God, should stir more of an affection and an inward 
and outward display of our affection for Christ. So if you can sit at Buffalo Wild Wings on a, what night do they play football? Mondays, Thursdays, both? Saturdays? I don't know. On, on a night and scream for a team with a few beers, great. As long as you're doing more of that for Jesus that same day, right? Like, I, I don't think that the pursuit, I don't think that Jesus' pursuit primarily was first and foremost to have us, uh, you know, conform to a set of, of rules. I think his first and foremost concern was glorifying God and the way, and, and then inviting us to do the same. And so worshiping and bringing glory to him. Uh, so like we see his glory and we want to reflect how emotionally compromised that should make us to stand before an off and an, an awe-inspiring, uh, powerful God, I think should be. I think that is like a huge part of it too. Just the idea of being willing to be emotionally compromised mm. wherever you are. Yeah. Right. And like, that's really what I've been wrestling through really this past week even is I found you, well, you actually, you said I worship the same at home as I do in church. And I would argue that I do not actually. Yeah. You're, you're, I, I worship very touche. differently in church as Correct. I do. And at home, you're much lately, wilder at home. <laughs> I've, I've started to really, that's, it's bothered me to the point. Like, why, why do I feel like I can't, I, I, I can't worship the same in both situations what would hold me back the ushers from that? and <laughs> the, ushers. the ushers would probably but, hold you back from doing that in church but i do think that we have that i think most of us many of us probably do feel that sense where yeah. like i i want to maybe sing a little louder or i want to say this prayer but i'm concerned about the person that's standing i can't get my mind off of what's next to me and what's around me to the point where I'm willing to subject myself to whatever the Lord would have me to do in worship in that mm. moment. Um, and so it is something that, you know, I think we should all think about in terms of the next time we do go to service and we have a worship service, think about if you were at home in the privacy of your own room and nobody else was around, what would you say to the Lord? And how would you say it? And how would you say it? Yeah. And, you know, consider that. And perhaps the Lord will work, that, you know, work on your heart in that area where you can, my hope is that I become the same and that, you know, you can't tell the difference, right? I worship the same at home as I do in church. Presuming they don't no, kick you out. It's presuming they don't kick out, yeah. <laughs> But, you know, I guess there's a degree, right? But uh, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. You know, the point I'm trying to make is that, you know, being willing to be compromised, I think, is a really big step into cultivating that relationship with the Lord. Um, and like what David said when he was worshiping in the Old Testament, uh, I will become even more undignified than this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you know, I've n I, we've not ever... Um, just gone naked into a, a I've church. I've never service worshipped like to the did. point so, of know. public exposure. That's right. <laughs> I I've, guess there's a I've never worshipped so hard that I have been exposed. <laughs> I don't think that that's happened in my life. I, I, I hope not. But you know, I don't. 
Yeah. So I, I mean, uh, I do think, well, I think there's a flip not, side of that what too. Is it, what is it you say? It's not prescriptive. Yeah. It's, that's not a prescriptive. That's a descriptive type of worship. It is not prescriptive. They have a special, uh, they have a special worship service for, for that. And it's usually in prison. And so, and so, um, uh, I will say though, some people struggle with the opposite. So like, you're like, I'm too exuberant worshiping at home and I have to tone it back at church. Why, why am I embarrassed of Jesus? Am I what? And like, those are your wrestles. Some people have the opposite. Uh, well, and then there's, I think a third one, but some people are, are, will worship and lift their hands uh, and, you know, spin around or do whatever in on their Sunday morning or Wednesday night service. And then they'll go home and they'll not worship at all. And that's the flip side. I, I tend to think that I would rather your problem as at a spiritual level, maybe not at a usher escorting you out of the church level, but at a, at a spiritual level, I would rather your problem, if, if we're going to call it a problem, which I don't think it is, than the other problem, which might actually be a problem of, hey, I'm going to worship in this way and make people think I'm worshiping this way. And then in, uh, in private, I'm, I'm not going to worship at all, or I'm not going to worship nearly to the extent or duration or intensity or whatever. Um, so I think that's the thing. But then a, a, a big thing, I think, and probably the most often, the most common uh, discrepancy between public and private worship are the people that w- might attend a service and stand there uh, because it's a cultural norm or they're supposed to or it's expected of them and then might not worship in that service or at home. And I, and I do want to challenge, you know, all the listeners, you know, that there's probably th- at least two. <laughs> so <laughs> challenge both of our listeners to, uh, <laughs> to, uh, to, to worship at home and in public and r- at least be wrestling with these questions. I think the fact that we're wrestling with the questions is a win. Uh, I don't think we ever get there, but I think the, the, the idea of, the process of the becoming of a worshiper. I want to become a worshiper and I want to become more of a worshiper. And how can I do that? And does that mean I'm more rambunctious on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights or Tuesday afternoons at my house? Like, like I think that the struggle of trying to figure out how to get more of God and what the right thing to do is and rein in or explode out our worship and, and more expressive manners, I think is it's probably a question that you should, that everybody that calls himself a Christian should be having on a regular basis um, at a minimum with themselves, with themselves, right? But should probably be talking about these things with their, with their friends and family and, and, uh, and surrounding yourselves with groups of people to be having these conversations. I think they're really important for spiritual formation and spiritual growth to figure out, you know, what worship looks like for us and, and how we best do it. I, I recently was talking with a close friend of mine who doesn't like at all any, what he calls CCM, contemporary Christian music. He's like, oh, I don't even like the CCM industry. You might really like the instrumental stuff. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) And so he listens to a bunch of like, uh, I I call them underground stuff, but I don't even know what that means, right? So Mm -hmm. I'm not cool enough to know what, I'm not a beatnik, if that's a thing. But like, so he listens to like, I don't even think that subversive is the right word, just different, eclectic, that's the one, Mm. eclectic types of music and finds worshipful experiences in them and is stirred in his affections. And I'm like, listen, bud, can I just challenge you on that? Let me just push back gently. Like there's some really great, I believe, hymn type music. I think that 
some of really good modern worship songs are hymnastic in nature, right? Like they're hymn, hymn worthy. Um, you know, like Almighty Fortress is our God today was, I, I, it was written around Luther's time. I think it might've been written by Luther, but I, I don't recall. But, um, if you, if you've ever sung it, Almighty Fortress is our God, it was a German beer drinking song that they co-opted the melody and turned it into a mighty fortress. We call that a hymn. Back then, they called it a drinking song, right? <laughs> so, like, it would be kind of like turning some, you know, modern-day rap song or, you know, like Usher's Yeah. Imagine turning Usher's Yeah into, like, a like a worship service. I just, it, like, we'd be like, I don't know, man. That's not, that's not my jam. But fast forward, because the lyrics. For our generation, but future generations. Exactly. You know, you, exactly. And they so, don't have the history behind it. That's, that's it. That's what they know. Correct. And so I think that some of modern worship today is not great, right? I think that subpar is a really generous uh, gift to some some contemporary Christian music uh, albums and types even. But there are some really, really good worship albums out there. Um, You know, I think of United Live and I get it. They're, you know, they're mainstream, whatever. Yeah, CCM. They're, you know, whatever. But I think that some of their songs are hymn worthy, uh, just really beautiful hymns. Um, And and the same way like Elevation, you know, Elevation Worship. You know, I get it. You can say, I don't like the theology of that church or this church, or I don't like the way that they do that, or they use a fog machine and they don't, or it doesn't matter if you evaluate the lyrics of some of those songs. Some of them are really, really beautiful hymns uh, played in a contemporary way that a hundred years ago, if the Lord hasn't come back by then, people will look back and be like, oh, listen to the old hymn. My <laughs> my old grandparents singing the songs of the early 2000s, you know? So I just want to challenge, you know, everybody that's listening to uh, to maybe try and find a new uh, way to experience worship. And uh, and it, may, it might look like a new expression and it might look like a new concentration of it. It might look like a new uh, frequency of it. It might look like a new way of doing it publicly or privately, but I think that we should be perpetually growing in this area of worship in our lives. We should be wanting to worship more tomorrow than we did yesterday. And I think that that direction is the important part of worshiping in in spirit and in truth. And don't be afraid to explore creativity. That's it. You never know. You never know. That's it. What, you know. And for, well, for some it's easier than others, right? Like I'm out to, to wrap myself out here. I, I, I dragged you along kicking and screaming tonight to do the podcast oh, with me. She, this, is, this is a very creative experience she, for me. Yeah, she says, she says, where's the script? And I'm like, what script? What's the agenda? I'm, I don't what have it. What are you talking about? I, I'll, I'll tell you when we get there. Well, well, you got to give me a, no, no. Let's talk about when we get there. And, and uh, you know, I've got five or six things I want to talk about over the next few episodes. So let's sit down and let's record some episodes and, and talk about these things as a, uh, as a way of, being the same type of conversations that we have, because we have these types of conversations on a multiple times a day basis. And I think that our faith sharpens each other's faith. And if there's people that aren't married to somebody that wants to grow in their walk with the Lord or or they're, they don't have anybody in their close friend group that wants that, like we want to invite those people into these conversations so they can be thinking about like, what is worship to me? What does it mean to worship in spirit and in truth? Yeah. What does it mean to grow in my walk with God and to want to worship more, to practice the presence of God, these, you know, to imitate Christ, to, to do these things um, at, a, at a really practical level. So uh, is there anything you want to add before we wrap up this episode? 
I think you did a really good job. <laughs> we, no, no, as a team effort. My co-host, I did, you, I did introduce you, I don't know if you caught that, did not introduce you as, uh, as a guest. Oh, you as a, I, I missed that. <laughs> so I did not pick up on that one. That's a, that's a prompting for the next episode, so it'll be, it'll be great. But, uh, but yeah, so thanks everybody for joining us on another episode of Unbridled Faith, and uh, we'll catch you on the next one where we're going to be talking about the end times.